to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the Last Gen Podcast, everybody. My name is Alex Iaquinto on behalf of Miracle Word Ministries. And I'm so pumped to be back with you today. Such a such a different video we have for you today. Such a, So many different things. Um, it's practically just a whole new podcast. You know what? We're, we're here in uh, Fitchburg, Massachusetts. I'm, I'm in a hotel, Doubletree, in uh, Fitch, Fitchburg, Mass., and uh, we're here at Pastor Brian Tomes Church, Crossroads Community Church. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. It's such a great church, and it's my first time being here. Um, but uh, when we were up in the Sunday morning service, Uncle Ted was uh, introducing the podcast, and he was like, "And we've got Alex here, and he's the uh, he's uh, heading up our youth center. You know, the the Next Gen Podcast, and kept calling it the Next Gen Podcast. And then Pastor Brian Tomes got up and called it the Next Gen Podcast." And uh, that's their youth ministry. I was so, like, guys, it's last gen. Yeah, it's. I was. I was sitting there, but I wasn't going to correct him. You know, while he was, he was preaching. No, actually, Uncle Ted. Um, <laughs> Stands up. <laughs> yeah. No. Actually, I've got a word of correction <laughs> for you. Um, and so I guess this is what today's episode is. It's the next last gen podcast because today's a lot different. As you can hear, you know, there's a certain person in the background that you may not recognize. Who Hello. do we have here? Who is this? This is Madeline Shuttlesworth from Miracle Word Kids. Oh, so so you're from Miracle Word Kids. You're not. I am. No, I know, but like I didn't know that's how you introduced yes, yourself. I'm from Miracle Word Kids. Well, I mean, like, do you say that to everyone? No, just for this podcast. Okay. Well, she's also my cousin. I don't know if that's a pretty interesting detail. I'm not related to you. No. Why are you in my hotel room then? I don't know. You brought me in here. That's no. Okay. Well, moving on. <laughs> Today is such a different, such a different episode. Um, oh, before we, you know, before I actually get into it, we've got, we've got a little interesting thing to get, just, just to, just because, because we can. Um, Maddie, tell us about why you love uh, macarons. So. Runes or rones? Macar, well, macaron, macarons, macarons are a different treat. Macarons are these. Um, they're delicious and they're my favorite dessert. And we found these ones that are dill pickle flavored. So we're going to try them. Dill pickle maroons. Macarons. <laughs> Macarons. It's a color. Okay. <laughs> maroons. All right. We're going to try it. I, I'm only, I, I was just so curious. We got to get an ASMR. Listen, macaroons are like average at best They're normally, like but like what the heck is this? It's like, Dill it's pickle. okay. Imagine Kermit the Frog became a, uh, a macaroon and that's what it looks like. <laughs> All right. That's what it looks like. Are we ready? I mean, I, I'm like scared. Me too. It like doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't seem just the right. thought of it. It, it smells like dill pickles. Dill pickle it does feel illegal, doesn't it? Yes. It does we're gonna get you to crunch down on it first, all right? And then I'm gonna crunch because you know we're just okay. gonna get. Oh man, she doesn't. Good. What? What? I don't want to do it. All right, I'll do yeah. it. Oh. 
No, don't throw up. Oh, shit. Oh, goodness. Did you just spit it? Ew. Ew. Who gave you these? What idiot? What idiot? I'm going to answer to God for making that. Ugh. That was really bad. That was not good. Don't have a dill pickle macaroon, guys. Disgusting. I'm gonna wash that down with some lacroix. You know that's actually how you say it. Lacroix. No, lacroix. Literally, it's French. Lacroix. Yeah, it's like lacroix. Anyways, Maddie's gonna fade off into the background. Oh wait, you're gonna try another one. Fruity pebble. Now that's that's better. Here's, try the cheese. It's one. Okay, she's gonna try chili mango. Not me. I'm I'm done. Ugh, it's still in my mouth. The <laughs> dill pickle. All right, we've got a good episode. Just just to let you know, we do have a good episode today. It's one, gonna be one of my favorite episodes. So just you know, hold chili on. Chili mango or peanut butter cheese? Which one? The fun of being on the road. By the way, it is uh, midnight right now. So yeah, it is midnight. we're in a hotel room. Disgusting <laughs> This is this podcast Which is one? quickly going south. <laughs> All right, try mango? it. Chili, okay. chili mango. Ready? Oh. What do you think? It's spicy, she said. Okay, let's get into this. Okay. As you can see the title, um, I'm pumped about this one. This one, I thought of it, and I was like, wow, that's a good idea, Alex. One of your three great ideas of the year. And I uh, thought I'd run with it. So we're, we're having a, such a different episode today. Today is entitled, what's the title? What's the title? Here it is. Four messages that changed my life plus watch party. And the reason I said plus watch party is because I am uh, going to tell you these four different sermons or messages that I've heard over the years. The years, like I'm like super old. But, you know, that I've heard that have changed my life drastically and I believe will change your life. But not only do I want to just tell you about them, I thought, why tell you about them when you can listen to them as well. So we're going to have quick segments of each um, message, and I want you to just catch a glimpse of it, and then I want you to watch all four of these in your free time, okay? Because they really did change my life. Really did. I've got a scripture for you before we get into this, because I'm pumped, because we're going to watch some, watch some film. I've got a scripture for you. Turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a lot of people, they make jokes. They, like, belittle the fact that, you know, people like me, people like my uncle, people like, you know, anyone who's intelligent, in my opinion, has a brain, they'll mock people and say, well, you know, we, we need to read less books about the Bible and just start reading the Bible. Um, you know, and you do need to read the Bible. But the person that's saying that is a very stupid idiot because... <laughs> I mean, like, do you really think God wants every piece of revelation that he's ever given any man of God to just drop to the, the floor after that person dies? Like, let's say God raises up Kenneth Hagin, and he wrote books, but we're, we just don't read them. You know, God doesn't want to start over with his revelation. He gave Brother Kenneth Hagin such a great revelation on faith, and we are fools not to go and watch and listen to everything he's ever done. We need to read less 
books about the Bible and just start reading the Bible. Yeah, read the Bible. But I'm telling you, you can grab from one YouTube video what you can't, you know, from, from a man of God, from a preacher, from a pastor, evangelist, whatever, from one YouTube video, what you would take you like 20 years to get from the Bible, you can just get it like that. And so you're, you're not smart to not listen to preaching and teaching. You, you guys know me. Like, I've, I've talked about this all the time. I literally cannot stress enough how important it is to listen to preaching and teaching. I will always have, in downtime, I will always have a message on. And then people, you know, I got this question in when I was taking questions one time for the last gen. Like, where do you get, um, you, I, some, the question was something like, where do you get revelation from the scripture? Like, how do you... I forgot how it was. It was something like that. And I was just thinking like, you know, or, or, oh, the question was, and this, this isn't to like make myself, you know, I'm not trying to be like arrogant or whatever, but you know, being 18, people say like, and people say this about everyone who's young and on fire for the Lord. Like how, how, how did you get to where you're at at such a young age? And people ask that sometimes. And, you know, I tell them it's nothing of me. You know, it, it's not me. I mean, I can't I can't get to anywhere on my own without the help of God. But, but I tell them, I would not be who I am today without impartation and revelation through preaching and teaching. The difference in your life is going to be made by the word content you have, how much teaching and preaching you listen to, and the impartation that you receive. One, one man of God said this, that your life will only amount to the quality of hands laid on you. It's very true. And you can not only receive impartation from the laying on of hands, but listening to preachers and teachers that have the anointing. All right. So that's what, you know, that's what I've made a huge point in my life to do. And you can see how it's paid off and it'll pay off in your life. And so that's why I'm bringing on these four messages that I believe shaped who I am, shaped my thinking shaped everything about me, and I believe it'll change your life too. From four different men of God, one of which I know, um, three of which I don't know, and three three of which have all gone home to be with the Lord. One is still alive, and so I, I still haven't figured out what order I'm going to uh, put them in, but I guess I'll put them in order of when I heard them. And when it changed my life. So, without further ado, grab your popcorn, grab a drink. I've got a lime LaCroix here, and I've got a quarter eaten dill pickle macaroon, which is, uh, I'm pretty sure the chef or the baker or whatever is going to help for making that. But, you know, ugh, so bad. It literally, Maddie. It's so bad. It's so bad. No, I still taste it. Anyway, guys. All right, let's do it. First message that changed my life forever. Um, oh, man, what am I going to do first? See, these are all such great messages. We're going to listen to five minutes-ish of each one of them. So there's only four, so it's not going to be a long, long episode. But so, uh, and, then I'll, and then we'll have a minimal commentary in the beginning and end and stuff, but I want you to listen very closely. Um, I really do believe if you grab onto this, it'll change your life forever. 
all of these are my favorite, so I don't know what to pick first. Huh. You know what? Let's go. Let's go for it. This is one of my favorite messages of all time, obviously. But not only is it one of, you know, because a lot of these, many people would say is their favorite message of all time, but this is my favorite. I think if I had to break it down into one message, this is my favorite. And um, I know the uh, preacher who preached this. Maddie, I believe you know this preacher, right? Yeah, you've met him. He's he's a great great man of God. I mean, what a great person. It was a pleasure to have met him. And uh you know, we I think we're on I think we're close now. We're kind of on a first name basis. Yeah. You know. Anyways, you call him brother, I call him uncle, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. And uh this is his message at Valor Chapel at World Harvest Church, their Bible College World. Uh, World Harvest by Pastor Rod Parsley. He has a Bible college called Valor Christian College. He spoke there in 2020, I believe. No, I believe it was 2019, but he uh, they released it on 2020 in 2020. So it's back from 2019. Remains one of my favorites of all time. It's a uh, entitled breaking the spirit of heaviness he's speaking to the bible college so but this is relatable to anyone and i i cannot tell you me and my aunt have talked about this and uh she she agrees with me because i believe this is one of her favorite messages from him too um we send this to so many people i've i've sent this to i can't even count on one hand two hands the amount of people i've sent this video to because it helps you know, people asking, well, how, you know, help me with depression, anxiety. What, what do you do with suicidal thoughts? I send them. I just, I just send them the video. Okay. I've got it loaded in my phone. I know where it is on YouTube. I can click it in three seconds. I'll send it. I've sent it out everywhere because I believe that this message has the power to change people like it will you. So without further ado, stay tuned because this is my favorite, the wonderful evangelist, <laughs> Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., Let's go. I was preaching at one church. I don't even know why. Holy Ghost had me on this. I was preaching. The whole time I'm preaching. I had never got into this before. And I start talking about, it's not God's desire that you battle ADD and ADHD, chronic depression, anxiety. I'm, I'm preaching. I never preach like this. I'm preaching a whole 25 minutes. And I'm on this subject. That it's an attack against your mind, an attack against your spirit, not from God. You need to be free, walk in the joy and the peace of the Holy Ghost. Pastor comes to me afterwards. I didn't appreciate that you preached on that. Because me and all my deacons have ADHD. And our wives tell us we do better on our medication. I thought, oh my God. Here we are, we're ministers of God. Have been so deceived that they believe, catch this. They believe that God needs help from a third party in order to get you well. Do you think God's power needs to be supplemented by some man-made thing before he can bring you freedom? There's power. Oh my goodness. There is power in the Holy Ghost 
that lives on the inside of you right now. The greater one is on the inside of you. What is he greater than? He's greater than every attack of the devil. He's greater than diabetes. He's greater than pornography addiction. He's greater than depression. He's greater than anxiety. He's greater than suicidal thoughts. He's greater than cancer cells. He's greater than poverty. He's greater than lack. He's greater than broken homes. He's greater than destroyed relationships. The greater one is on the inside of you. Somebody shout amen. amen. Somebody shout greater. greater. Is he. That's in me. That's in me. Than he that's in this world. There's not a devil in hell. Get it, man. He's getting his victory in the back. Hallelujah. Dance till you get your breakthrough. Praise till you get your breakthrough. Don't let the devil lie to you and say you ain't going to make it. The devil is a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Every devil that told you you would not do what God called you to do has lied to you. I declare you'll run with momentum in the mighty name of Jesus and no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. Somebody lift a hand to heaven and declare, no weapon formed against me or my ministry will prosper in Jesus' name. Amen. And depression's an enemy. I said it's an enemy. It was prophesied about Christ and in the New Testament fulfilled about Christ. The psalmist in a messianic prophecy said, because you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness, therefore God, your God, will anoint you with the oil of joy above your brethren. Speaking of Christ. And in the New Testament, it was repeated again. Because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness, that God, his God, has anointed him with the oil of joy. The oil of joy. That means joy is an anointing. I said that means joy is an anointing. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on a doctor's report. It's not based on how much came back in your tax return. It's not based on how much your friends are giving you hearts on Instagram and shares on Facebook. It had nothing to do with natural circumstances. It has everything to do with have you gotten into the presence of God and has that presence overflowed in your body and now that it has, do you have a spirit of overwhelming joy? Joy, joy, unspeakable, and full of what? Glory. Full of what? Joy, unspeakable, and full of what? Full of glory. The glory of God travels in the joy of the Lord. The glory of God. Go to 2 Peter quickly. 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to show you something. And we're going to deal with that in a moment. If you're in this room or watching online, and the enemy has attacked you with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, that stuff is leaving today forever in Jesus' mighty name. I said it's leaving today forever in the mighty name of Jesus. That foul spirit that tries to steal your overwhelming joy is leaving today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. 
I got sick of it early on in my ministry. I'd go to preach for students, preach at youth camps, preach at conferences. And I'd call them down to the altar and I'd have the altars filled with young people crying with their hands raised. And I'd look at their arms as I walked down the line cut marks from the wrist to the elbow as the devil had lied to people and told them, you're worthless. You might as well take your own life. Nobody would even know if you were gone. Nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. And as a result, they're trying to destroy the likeness and the image of God. That's how you know it's the devil. Because God, you know, I'm going to give you something that will stir your faith a little bit. At the, the Bible says at the beginning of time, the devil led a rebellion into heaven. And he said, I will be like the most high God and I will sit upon the throne. And he said, I will, I will, I will. And came into heaven and God gave him such a smackdown and said, you will not that Jesus looking back in prophetic vision said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I've been in fights. I've watched fights. I even saw Mike Tyson fight in his prime. I ain't never seen somebody get hit so hard that they fell like lightning. That shows you the kind of smack that God laid on the devil in that day. Satan came into heaven and said, I will. God said, you don't know who you're talking to. Pow! And laid a smack on him that was so hard. Jesus said, I saw it happen. And Satan fell from heaven like a lightning bolt. And I'm telling you that the day that the devil said, I will take the likeness of God. See, because here's what I want to show you. God doesn't just take pleasure in defeating your enemy. He takes pleasure in frustrating your enemy. Because right after the devil said those things and said, I'll be like God, God turned to the Trinity and he said, let us now make man in our image and in our likeness. Just to rub it in the face of the devil who thought he would take what I have. Now you are in the likeness and image of God. So that when the devil sees you, he sees what he wishes he was. But take it too bad, baby. Nana, nana, boo, boo. You can't have what God put in me. I've got a treasure in earthen vessels. And the reason the devil hates your mind and hates your body and tries to put sickness and disease and depression and anxiety is because he hates the fact that you are what he wishes he could be. And because he hates it, he tries to attack it. Tries to destroy it. That's how you know suicide is demonic. Cutting is demonic. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Self-abuse. It's an attack against your life. It's not a chemical imbalance. It's a spirit that needs to be broken by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying if you battle those things, you're demon-possessed. I'm saying there's oppression that can come against somebody's mind. And it must be broken. You can't take a pill and get rid of a devil. See, that's the problem. In the 21st century, we've tried to take things that should have been dealt with spiritually and put them on a psychiatric couch. Tell us about your childhood. You think that's going to take care of a demon? Let me prescribe you some pills. Now we got kids walking around like zombies in school. They don't even know where they are. They might as well be the walking dead. Walking through life. 
not even know what's going on. On so many medications, you'd think they lived in a nursing home, walking around through high school, zoned out on medication. Why? Because there's an attack against our generation, and you've got a whole group of powerless churches that don't have enough anointing to deal with the problem that's come against our people. And you got to know that's why God's looking for people just like you that's filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Because when it's time to fight, baby, we got something to fight with. And it's a demonic attack against this world to have churches that are pulling back from the Holy Ghost so they don't offend somebody, so somebody doesn't get weirded out by the Holy Ghost. If you think the Holy Ghost is weird, you don't know who he is. He's a comforter. He's a friend. He's a guide. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. Well, brother, we just don't want speaking in tongues in our Sunday morning services. Then shut the church down. It ain't a church if you've kicked the head of the church out of his own house. Oh, but we're, we're, we're hip though. But we're hip. But we're cool. So cool that people can sit in your seats and come to your church for three years and live in sin the whole time and never feel conviction one time because you've created a Cirque du Soleil in the house of God and there's people running, jumping, flipping and a beautiful light show and some wonderful music but ain't no Holy Ghost and you got people going to hell right out of a church pew living in bondage because there's no anointing to cast out that devil. And there you have it. Wow, what a powerful message. I cannot stress enough how much you need to watch the whole thing. Man, I mean, I played a couple minutes, and uh, it, always, it always gets me ready to jump and shout. Wow, changed my life forever. Because once you understand that, I mean, I, I think I'm very privileged to have, to have sat under, you know, his teaching and preaching for years because, you know, just growing up around around my uncle and aunt, because, you know, you can tell he carries a, a, a strong anointing to for, for joy, supernatural joy. And it's, it's uncommon. It's not like every minister has it, but you can tell God has, has specifically tasked him with uh, ministering supernatural joy and setting people free who are heavily depressed, heavily in bondage, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. That is a very common theme of, of his ministry. And you can tell, like, you can't be around him without, you know, without, no, no matter how you feel before, you'll, 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 you'll leave laughing. And it's because it's an anointing. Just like he said, joy isn't a feeling. Joy isn't a nice, you know, emotion. It's an anointing. What a, I, I mean, I could sit here all night talking about that, but you need to watch that for yourself. Go on, wh how, how to find that? You know what, I'll link all the videos in the description of this podcast. Um, yeah, I just decided I'd do that. Just some extra work for you guys, because I think it's important. Yeah, so I'll link them in, and you can click on them. I highly re recommend, you better, better do it. Okay, moving on to the second video that changed my life forever. This is by a man of God, gone home to be with the Lord. And um, this message 
lots of believers know, or not lots of spirit, spirit-filled believers know, this message, this message changed how people viewed Christianity all around the world. He released it as a book. That book has sold millions of copies. This is a major message that if you haven't heard, you need to hear. It's a fundamental, fundamental message because this message is what's going to determine how your life goes. <laughs> like, and that sounds like an overstatement. It's not. It's going to t- determine how your life goes. Is it going to be a sucky life or is it going to be a good life? So I'm going to play a short clip from Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, who, if you don't know, great man of God. I mean, I, I could sit here talking about all of the impact he's made, but I mean, like, people call him the father of the Word of Faith movement because he, he really did pioneer how people thought about faith. God tasked him. Um, he said, go teach my people faith, and that was his ministry for however long he was on the earth, long time, long, long time, went home to be with the Lord in 2003, made a huge impact on this earth, and people are still, you know, like me, still listening to his messages, and I I probably listen to multiple a week, and so it's that important, have a ton of his books, so, uh, but this is the message, this is probably the first message that I ever heard Brother Kenneth Hagin preach, and it's the first book of his that I ever read, and it changed how I thought forever. This is called The Believer's Authority. And this is the first part. And it says copyright protected, but I'm going to pretend like it's not there. All right? We're only playing a short clip, so it's not illegal. All right? So this is Brother Kenneth E. Hagen on The Believer's Authority. I want you to listen very close to this. I'll see you on the other side. Notice in Luke the 10th chapter, the 19th verse. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now I want you to notice that in this, I read King James translation that the word power is used twice in this verse. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The word power is used twice there. But there are two different Greek words that are used here. They're not the same word. Jesus actually said, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. You see, uh, this Greek word first is translated power. If you look it up in the Greek concordance, it also means authority. And read it would be better there. It would be better there if it had translated that authority because you would understand your authority. Because you see, if you keep the word power there, people think, well, I've got the power. You know, I've got to. And then they sort of shake themselves and said, well, I don't feel any power. Well, it's just sort of like this. Did you, did you, you ever drive down, you know, about uh, time people are getting off from work, you know, somewhere, and, and a light have gone out or something, there's a policeman there directing the traffic, and he'll have folks to come this way for a while, then he'll just hold up his hand, and everybody will stop. Well, now, he don't have the power to hold those cars back, <laughs> all of them. 
He don't have that kind of strength, but he's got the authority to do it. And we recognize that authority and we honor that authority. I mean, I just to come in the other day, you know, out here to school and they was doing some work over here on 61st where the, the, the freeway's coming through there. And because some trucks was crossing it, well, there's a fellow there, stopped me, you see. Well, I, 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 honored, I honored that, I stopped. Everybody stopped behind me. Well, that little frail fella couldn't hold back all of those cars if they'd wanted to go. He didn't have the power, but he's got the authority. And I recognize the authority. You know the devil recognizes authority? Amen. He recognizes authority? Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Praise God. I remember reading from Smith Wigglesworth. I remember the first time I read it years and years ago, way back, I think, uh, uh, well, maybe about 1938, and I first got a hold of the book, Ever Increasing Faith. Wigglesworth was an Englishman, lived there in England, and he's, he was there in, in London on one occasion, and he came out of a house, well, actually, he's standing on the corner waiting for a, a bus, what he's doing, as we would call him, a bus. And, uh, and a lady came out of an apartment house close by, and he said, there's a little old dog, just doing these little bitty dogs, little feist dogs, we call them sometimes, coming along behind her, you know, uh, uh, you know, just to rub it up against her ankles, you know, and she said, now, honey, you're going to have to go back. You can't go. And he just rubbed up against her ankles, you know, and he, she said, now, dear, you can't go. And about that time, the bus drove up. And he said, she stomped her foot and said, get and that dog, you know, tucked his tail between his legs and took off. Wigglesworth said, without thinking, I shouted right out loud, that's the way you've got to do the devil. Yeah. Amen. Recognize your authority. Amen. And just tell him to get. Praise God forevermore. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. In other words, stand your ground. I remember 1942. We as pastor down in East Texas... 1942 and 1943, and this incident happened over in the first part, winter 1943. And, and uh, I, I didn't say anything to anybody about it, never even mentioned it to my wife. But night after night, in the nighttime, I would awaken with some of the most alarming heart symptoms. And I had been, you know, with a heart condition in time past, and, and I was just standing against it, you know, in the name of Jesus and so on. And, and so one night then, I, I uh, uh, oh, sometimes for an hour at a time in the nighttime, I just stand against every symptom. And so I drifted off back to sleep. And in my sleep, I dreamed another minister and I were walking, you know, like across a, a, a stadium, a ball field, you know, or an arena, a parade ground. We were just walking along, talking, you know. And suddenly he jumped and said, look, and I turned around and looked, and two ferocious lions. I mean, they were coming after us just a snarling, their fangs are showing, you know, and growling. And we both just took off and running. <laughs> and then I just stopped dead still, and I said to him, we, uh, you know, they'll get us before we, we can't get out. We can't get to the fence fast enough and get over into the, the stands. We, uh, and, I, and he kept a run, and I turned around and faced him. And instead of running from them, I walked towards them. And when they got about to where I was, I just stopped dead still and I spoke to them. In my dream, I spoke to them. I said, now you can't harm me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. And they just sort of sniffed around my pants like, like a little dog, you know, and turned around and frolicked off. 
And I woke up. And I said, that's it. That's it. See, I stood my ground. The devil came as a roaring lion. And you know what? Every symptom left me never to return. Glory to God. Amen. Because, you see, I recognized my authority and stood my ground. Well, there we have it. That's Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, The Believer's Authority, Volume 1. Um, this message, like I said before, probably, this is on probably every word of faith, faith-filled, Pentecostal preacher, Christian's list for top messages of all time, because it, it really is. And I'll tell you what, that, that illustration that he gave about well, not even an illustration. It was a dream that he actually had where he was dealing with heart problems. I mean, you just heard it. That illustration is powerful. Powerful. There is another, um, he didn't give it in this in this uh, particular video, but there's another story he tells where, you know, Jesus himself has had met with Brother Kenneth Hagin many, many times back in the 40s and 50s, like, you know, walked into his room, like actually spoke long time with Jesus, 30, 40 minutes, an hour, an hour long, an hour and a half. You know, so he's not a nobody. And so he talks about this one time where he was meeting with Jesus. Jesus was literally sitting across from him, talking to him about the ministry, talking to him about the Bible, giving him revelation, giving him instruction. And as he was talking to Jesus... He, he was talking to Jesus and, and almost appeared between them. Like they're sitting across the table almost. And between them pops up this demon looking thing. It was a demon. It was an evil spirit. But it, he said it almost looked like a monkey creature. And it was, it was making loud noises. It was in between him and Jesus. And he was trying to talk to Jesus. He, Jesus was talking to him. He couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. Because it was drowned out by this distracting demon looking thing. It was just... It was, you know, moving around. It was waving its arms, trying to distract Brother Hagen from hearing what Jesus was saying. And finally, Brother Hagen got so ticked off with it, he said, Lord, why don't you do something about this? And Jesus said over top of the screaming, over the top of the yelling, he said, I want you. He said, no, no, he said this. He said, if you don't tell him to leave, he never will. If you don't tell him to leave, he'll always be allowed to stay. And that is powerful. That shows you right there what authority is. That you you don't have to pray about a lot of things. When Jesus said you can say unto this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it shall be done for you, he didn't say you know, I mean think about how Jesus quote unquote prayed for the sick. We we say he prayed for the sick, but really he didn't pray for the sick. Really he commanded them to be well. And that's called authority. Just like with the Roman centurion. He said he said, just speak the word only. And he said, and you say, why, why did he believe that? Because he understood authority. Authority is delegated power. I want you to write that down somewhere. Authority is delegated power. What a powerful message. We are going through, I believe that was in the 80s. Does it say in the description? That particular message was from the 80s, I believe. Um, we are keeping with old-time preachers. Another preacher that uh, is has gone home to be with the Lord. Such a powerful preacher. And you'll, you'll begin to see a theme. All the messages that I love 
are very story-based. I was thinking about this in the shower, which is a weird thing to think about this in. But I was thinking about how... Think about all your favorite communicators. Maybe they're preachers, maybe they're speakers, whatever. Favorite communicators. 99.9% of the time, they're going to be good storytellers. Because there's something about the human brain that latches onto stories so much better than anything else. That's why it's important when you're preaching to have lots of stories. People remember stories. They might not remember everything you say, but they remember stories. Scientifically proven. You know, psychologists have found that people remember stories way better than information. Because the brain is works in a narrative form. And that's how God made us. He made us able to and apt to retain stories. And so that's why you you most likely love when someone's a great storyteller, which those these two people coming up are masters at it. Masters. I mean, people, you know, even even secular public speakers would do well to watch them and and copy them because let me tell you, not even are they not just are they good preachers, they're just good public speakers. <laughs> And they're good storytellers. And this story is anointed. It's powerful. This is um, evangelist R.W. Shambach. He was a pastor in his later years. R.W. Shambach. Um, if, you're, if you've been connected with my uncle's ministry, Miracle Word, for any number of years or any number of seconds, you'll know that when my uncle, his dad, was younger... He traveled with R.W. Schambach, and he traveled, did his tent meetings. I mean, R.W. Schambach did tent meetings around the United States and major tent meetings, set up a huge tent, and was m used mightily in um, healing, healing the sick. And uh, actually, R.W. Schambach sat under A.A. Allen. So A.A. Allen, if you don't know, was another tent revivalist. Back in the 50s, huge, huge, huge ministry. The miracles that God used him to do are amazing. I mean, mind-blowing. You can find them on YouTube. So R.W. Shambach sat under him. Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. sat under him. Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. sat under him. And now we're in the present. But we're going back to 1992. This is R.W. Shambach. And uh, he's telling a great story. Great story. One of my favorites. I remember it. Um... I remember the first time I heard it, and uh, I'll give you a little treat. This is R.W. Schambach. The message is entitled, You Don't Have Any Trouble, All You Need Is Faith in God. I'll see you on the other side. But he says, when all of a sudden trouble struck, spinal meningitis paralyzed him, hospitalized for over three months, he had the finest kind of health insurance, but it wasn't enough to pay the bill. He started taking it from the checking and the savings account, and it began to dwindle. It got so bad, they called in specialists from all over the world. He had to get the equity out of his home, mortgaged to the neck, borrowed money. The balance in the bank was double zero. On top of that, he lapsed into a coma as a result of arthritis creeping into every joint, the painful kind of arthritis, rheumatoid. And he could not stand the intensity of the pain and he lapsed into a coma and stay in that condition for over three months. 
now he told me this story and I'm catching every word. I want to find out how he got delivered. He said, even though I was in a coma, I knew what was taking place around me. They called in my priest to give me the last rites of the church. That's how bad it was. Extreme unction, it's called. They gave him the last rites. He said, I wanted to let the priest know I understood what he was doing. But he said, I couldn't even flicker an eyelash. If any of you minister to people in hospitals, don't give up because they're in a coma. They may not be able to communicate back, but you can get through to them as you minister. And he said when he finished with that rite, he folded the paraphernalia. I could hear the suit or the briefcase close. And he said, I heard the door shut. And he said when the door closed, all of a sudden, another priest walked through the wall. There's something different about this priest. The priest that just left had his collar on backwards. And he was dressed in black. The priest that come through that wall was dressed in a long white flowing robe. And he said he walked over to my bed. I didn't know who he was. But he leaned down over my frame that just got ready for the grave. And he called me by my name and put his lips to my ear. And he said, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. And I grabbed a hold of that and I've been using it for 32 years. I borrowed it from this man. And he said, as I lay there. I'm wondering, I don't have any trouble. What kind of crazy priest is this? If I don't have any trouble, what is trouble? Spinal meningitis, paralyzed from head to toe. Spinal meningitis, rheumatoid arthritis, bank account, double zero balance. The priest just got me ready for the grave. If I don't have any trouble, what's trouble? He said he answered every question I ever had. Still bent over my body with his lips to my ear. He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. And I am healing you now. When I walk out of this room, I want you to go in that restroom and shave yourself and get dressed. And go to the first bookstore you find and buy a Bible and begin reading in St. John's Gospel and you'll find the way to eternal life. I'm so glad he didn't tell him to go to a church somewhere. He'd have got confused on the journey to heaven. But he told him to go to a bookstore and buy a Bible. And he said he turned around and walked through that And he said, I awakened out of a deep sleep. Now listen to what he said. And this is a part that I want to instill into your heart. He said, I wanted to be obedient to, to the commands that he gave me. So he said, 
I pulled that thing out of my arm. They were feeding him dextrose, that sugared water. He pulled it out and he said, he told me to go in and shave. So I wanted to do it. And he said, I was in there shaving. And he said, it felt like I just ate four T-bone steaks over six months. Hadn't eaten a thing. Mouth was all raw because he's never used it. But now he's totally healed. And the nurse is tippy-toeing in. Because the other priest went out the other door, you know. She knew that he gave him the last rites. And she came in to pull the sheet up over him. And when she got to the bed, it was... She thought maybe he got translated quick. And she happened to see him in the restroom. And she went in there. He's in there shaving and singing. She put his arm under his arm. Don't you know you're dying? The priest gave you the last rites. Get back in the bed. He looked at her and said, cool it, honey. Another priest came in and gave me the first rites all over again. I'm not going to die, but I'm going to live. Well, that was R.W. Shambach. You don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. What a powerful story. I mean, you try watching that next time you get the sniffles. Hard to feel. It's hard to feel sorry for yourself when you hear a story like that. Guy was dead. Dead. And I just love, I love how R.W. Shambach has a way of just pumping faith into the room. I mean, I can't even imagine sitting there with unbelief for more than 12 seconds. You know, he, he had a special gift. Impartation from A.A. Allen. There's another story that he tells, which, first of all, watch this whole video. Then, which isn't too long, this is only like 23 minutes. I played you a total of six minutes, so not long left. So I, I'd, I'd guarantee you, by the way, you got to watch all of these that I'm, that I'm showing you. you got, we got one left. Um... But there's another story he tells. You could just look it up. R.W. Schambach, the greatest miracle I ever saw. And so he talks about in all of his years traveling with A.A. Allen, a great miracle worker, he, uh, he said there's one miracle that stood out to him. There was a boy who came in and had 26 major diseases. 26 major diseases. And while he tells a story, and I can't tell it better than him, so you might as well just go watch it. He tells how every single one of them healed instantly by the power of God. And 26 major diseases, some of them were structural diseases. Some of them were, you know, his tongue was hanging out of his mouth. His arms were crippled up. And he saw them all, his bones cracked, you know, just messed up. And God healed him of every single disease that he had instantly. And so, you go watch that too, but, but R.W. Schambach, by the way, people ask me all the time, like, who do you listen to? Well, this is the episode where I show you who I listen to. Basically, these four people, I mean, plus a couple more, and I'll give you some other preachers at the end, which I didn't include clips of, but I listen to them almost daily. But these four people, so, obviously, my uncle Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., brother Kenneth Hagen. 
R.W. Schambach. And then the last one is, uh, I mean, I, I say one of my favorites. Obviously, they're on this list, so <laughs> obviously one of my favorites. But, man, let me tell you. Sorry, I'm yawning. It's, uh, it's very late. It's almost 1 o'clock. Um, let me tell you, this man coming up had an amazing life. An amazing life. And amazing is an understand, uh, understatement. These videos that I'm about to show you, there, it's a it's a compilation of I, I believe like nine. I don't even know how many videos there are. It might maybe maybe over ten, but they're called Lester Summerall, a man of faith and destiny. And they called him a man of faith and destiny because he lived such a crazy life. I mean, I'm going to show you just a small portion how his life started out, how he started out in the ministry, miraculous. Uh, healing and, and and all of it, but his whole life is a miracle. So I mean, all of these I I've watched all of them. They're about an hour long each, and I I <laughs> I would recommend anyone. I, I'd recommend everyone to watch all of them, but especially if you feel called into the ministry, don't don't do anything without watching these because it number one builds your faith. He he was starting off in the ministry when he still had a Model T car and he was 16 years old. He left home said to his mom goodbye, I'm preaching, and went and found an old country farm. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but we'll, we'll uh, watch this clip, and then we'll get back to uh, to each other. Here is the last clip, last message that changed my life. This is the first part. I told you it was a many-part series, Man of Faith and Destiny. This is the first episode, um, and here's a short clip from it. But it changed my life forever, and I believe it will yours. See you on the other side. This went on for about five or six months and I was dying of tuberculosis. And one afternoon about four o'clock, uh, I began to cough and to spit up blood and it was getting bad. My mother called the doctor quick and says, Lester's worse than usual. Please, please, please come in a hurry. So he come, he came running over and, and try to take a pulse and try to get a little pinch of blood and you know all the, the things that doctors do. And, and he said, I can't get anything out of this boy. Nothing. He says he has no pulse and he can't get any blood out. He says, and he looked at my mother and said, uh, call, call your husband. This boy's dying. And so the whole family got around me there and the doctor said, you know, in two hours, this boy will be dead. He said, that's the death rattle in his throat right now and that bluishness over his face. He's not getting enough blood to, uh, to his brain and to his body to, to live. says, he's going to die tonight. And he took my father over in the corner and put his arm up around him. We were good friends and, and said, uh, now, Mr. Summerall, he says, I'm going back to the office and says, I'll, I'll write out uh, his, his death notice and, uh, and sign it. And you can pick it up on my desk tomorrow morning and get a, a uh, a place in, a, in the graveyard for him, a lot. He says, uh, they don't sell lots out there unless you've got a certificate of death. And so uh, your certificate of death will be there. That's just over 240,000 hours ago. It's amazing how far some doctors can be wrong. 240 hours wrong is quite a bit of being wrong, you know. And uh, so he, he left the room. And my parents stood around crying. Well, I wasn't crazy. I knew what was going on. I knew that doctor said something very bad, and my parents were crying because of it. And when I saw him leave, I said, when he leaves, the jig's up. You know, I'm going to die. And I, at that moment, I've only had two visions in my life. I saw my first vision. On one side of my bed, I saw a coffin, just my size. 
and, and open and tilted, very pretty inside, empty, waiting for me. It was mine. And I, <laughs> I looked at it and I said, ooh, there's my coffin. And uh, it's very pretty, all right, except I don't want that. I turned my head the other way, and there was the biggest Bible in the world. It was from the floor to the ceiling beside my bed. The, 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 the letters stood up that high. I looked, and God said, that's my word. And he said, you will have to take one of these tonight. Oh, I said, yes, Lord. You know, I said, I'll go to church and I'll get right. God says, no, you've told me that before. Says, tonight you will take that coffin or that book. I want you to preach my word or you're going to die tonight. <laughs> well, you know, if you've heard about Southerners, we're a little slow making up our minds and we would prefer leaving it for tomorrow if we can rather than today. And so I, I said, now, Lord, uh, I'm going to do that. And the Lord said, you are right now. He says, there are no more sunrises for you. There are more, no more daylight for you. You are going to either be put in that casket or you are going to take my word and proclaim it. And I said, well, Lord, I, I, I don't want to die. I'm afraid to die. I'm not ready to die. And so evidently, I, I'm going to take the word, you know, the Bible. And then I made a commitment with God. I made a covenant. I said, God, if you'll keep me alive as long as I preach, I'll soon be the oldest man in the world. And I went to sleep. My family stood around to watch me die. You know, you know some families believe in the doctor more than they do in God. And he said I was going to die. And so they stood by, wringing their hands, waiting for me to die. But I didn't die. The next morning, I opened my eyes and I looked around. There was my mother and... and uh, I said, I'm hungry. Oh, she says, I'll get you some grape juice. I said, I've had all the grape juice I want for a long time. She says, what, what do you want? I says, I want, I want exactly, I want exactly what my father had for breakfast. Now, you know, way down south years ago, I, I suppose it's the same. When we, when we had breakfast, uh, we, we had breakfast. We didn't just smile at the table. We had breakfast. Uh, we had biscuits that Fannie Mae didn't make or any other May. They were made in the kitchen, and they were big enough, you know, they were good. And we had white gravy, and we had eggs, and we had ham that you couldn't read the newspaper through. It was real, real, the, real, the real stuff, and it, and it was delicious, and it was good. And we had grits. If you hadn't had any grits yet, you don't know what you've missed. And we ate breakfast. And I said, that's what I want. <laughs> My mother said, no, no. So you haven't had any solid food for weeks. Said you would die if you ate that. I looked up at her with a funny little smile. I said, you know, I'm going to die full of ham and eggs and hot biscuits and gravy and grits. Go get it. Well, my, my mother said, you know, I've, I've always heard that if you're going to die, you're supposed to give a person the last request. And so the doctor said, you're going to die. And no doubt you are delirious. She, she didn't know what had happened. She didn't know I was healed. There was no blood on that pillow that morning. She didn't look to see. No. I'd been healed. I, I never did have another drop of blood to come out of my mouth. I, I never did have that fever again. It was gone. I was healed by God's, but I hadn't gotten to tell her that yet. I just asked for all that food. Well, upon the idea that a dying person should have what they want, she went and cooked it all up, put it by the side of my bed on a little table, and left the room. She didn't want to face the issue. 
Man, I got up on my elbow and I reached over there and I began to eat and I ate everything on that plate as if you'd called in the cat and he had licked it. There was nothing left but a clean plate. My, my mother came back and said, uh, where's that food? I said, it's in here. She said, all of it? I said, that's not all. I want some more. Well, she said, not now. You just let me talk to the doctor about this and, 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 and see what he said. I said, I'm all right. You don't need that doctor anymore. I said, last night I saw a vision. I saw a coffin and I saw a Bible. I said, I'm going to be a preacher. Now, I was the meanest kid she'd ever had. She had beat me more than she had the whole family put together. She had threatened to send me away to a reformatory. And here I was talking about preaching. <laughs> she went delirious. She wept and she cried and she said, oh God, can it be, can it be? I said, yeah, I'm healed. I says, I'm strong. I'm not weak anymore. And, and she rejoiced unbelievably. <laughs> and nobody else believed it. They thought, but three days later, I was walking all over the house. You know, strength was just flowing out of me. Well, there it is, our final clip, Lester Summerall, a man of faith and destiny. The story goes on about how he was walking around the house, he got, he got even stronger. Ten days later, he was so back in his strength that he went out with his friend from his neighborhood. They went out fishing, and you know, he said he was from Louisiana, I believe. Am I right about that? Louisiana? On the Gulf of Mexico. And um, he would, uh, <laughs> they would, unless it was the panhandle of Florida. And now I got to check it out. 1647. You can pray all you want to until you die. It won't do any good. They don't want it anyway. Months and I was dying of tuberculosis. And one afternoon about four o'clock. Tuberculosis. And... Wait, hold on. This went on for about five or six months, and I was dying. And, I, and you can pray all you want. Pray for some people. And hold on. I was worse. Now, that reveals something. I don't know. I, you know. I believe it was Louisiana, but he went out with his friend, and they went fishing. And they said they caught all these fish, and he was having a great time. Went out fishing all day, brought home a ton of fish, and, you know, he loved to do it. And and he was going about normal life, and he, he remarks that he said, that he heard the voice of the Lord again in his heart saying, hey, I thought I told you to preach. And Lester Summerall said, I, you know, I told you I would. And he said, and the Lord said, no, 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 now, get to it. And so the story goes on. Lester Summerall immediately um, tells his parents his dad is not okay with it because he, he hated preachers. His mom loved preachers, but, you know, you try at 16 years old packing your bags and telling your mom, you know, it's like 1930-something, telling your mom, hey, I'm leaving, I'm never coming back. And so, you know, that's a, and that's exactly what he did. He packed his bags, came downstairs one night, his mom was standing there, and he said, Mom, I'm leaving, and you'll never see me again, which he remarks later that he never did see them again, or he never came home. He said, I'll, I'll not come home ever again, and he wasn't lying. He never came home for the rest of his life, and the only time he saw his family were a couple times, maybe two or three times when he was on the road preaching, they came to see him. But he never came home after that After that moment. He said to his mom, I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. You won't see me. And so he left. He walked out his house. His mom's crying, you know, as, as your mom would. And so he walks out his house. He finds his friend, one of his friends from the neighborhood, and he was older than him by about two years. 
he finds his friend who had a car. And, I mean, if you had a car back then, you were the man. He had an old Model T, which was Henry Ford's first car that he ever made. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that long ago. And so he said, he said, where are you going? To Lester Summerall. And Lester Summerall said, I'm going to preach. And the kid was kind of like, uh, all right. Uh, he was about 19 at the time. And he said, um, he said can I come? And Lester Summerall thought, well, he's got a car and I don't. So he said, yeah, you can come. And so they hopped in the Model T car, which he says, like, couldn't go more than two miles without it breaking down and then having having to not only put oil or uh, gas in the in the tank, but also some water. So uh, every two miles it'd break down and had nowhere to go. But he found an old country schoolhouse and said, all right, we'll stop there. You know, they're miles and miles and hours away from home. They're, you know, they're runaways. And so he goes up to the farmer of that farm and says, give me the keys. God told me to preach or I'll die. And so the farmer's like, I'm not giving you the keys. He says, I'm going to hold a revival, and if I don't, my blood will be on your hands. And then the farmer, you know, lets him. He holds meetings there, and he starts preaching, not because he wants to preach or he loves people, because he, he said to the people, he got up every night, to the old old farmers that would just sit there and laugh at him because they thought he was a liar. They'd sit, listen to him preach because, you know, they were bored. They didn't have any any shows going on. They didn't have a TV. So, that, you know, they'd come hear the, what they what they uh, the farmers called the liar. Come hear the liar. Biggest liar in town. And the crowd grew to over 200 people from, from like 15 to 200. And so, you know, they'd all laugh at him and he'd say, I just want to let you guys know that I don't like you. I'm only doing this because the Lord told me to preach, and if I don't preach, I'll die. And so it's an interesting life, and, you know, the story goes on, and it'll take you nine hours to tell you the rest, but I'd highly recommend you to watch all of those. What a great storyteller. He had a unique gift for telling stories and building faith. Man, it was actually a very tough time picking all these episodes or these uh, messages because I, I was like debating because there were so many I could have picked but these are the major ones that changed my life forever there are messages that, that maybe they'll be these but maybe you can point your finger at them and say this message marked me forever maybe it was a service you were sitting in and you said you know what I remember that night where I was in the audience and um, it changed me forever and these, these are those for me that are that are on YouTube Obviously, there's messages where I remember sitting in the service, which, by the way, is a good segue. We're here in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, and man, have the services been powerful. We've only had three so far, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then tonight was a powerful service. I'd recommend, if you're anywhere in the area, anywhere in the New England area, get down to Crossroads Community Church because it, it is. And I'm not saying this because I don't, I don't, I'm not just trying to be nice. But Crossroads Community Church, in my first time being in the building, I've heard so much about it, but in my first time being here, it has quickly become one of my favorite churches in the United States of all time. And I'm not just saying that. It's a different kind of church. But yep, that was that was Dr. Lester Summerall, first part of A Man of Faith and Destiny. What a great story. Crazy life. And uh, I'd recommend everyone to watch all of these. So just to recap all of these messages. We've got number one, we've got Ted Shuttles, Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., Breaking the Spirit of Heaviness. We've got number two, Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, The Believer's Authority, Volume 1. We've got 
R.W. Schambach, you don't have any trouble, all you need is faith in God. And then we've got Dr. Lester Summerall, A Man of Faith and Destiny, Part 1. These messages changed my life forever, and I believe they will yours, so I'll link them in this, the d description for you to watch the full episodes. I love you guys. It is 1 o'clock here in a Fitchburg, Mass., and um, I'm going to log off. But I, I enjoyed this one. I really did. I can still taste dill pickle macaroon an hour later. And so, you know what? Listen, guys, I love you. Check out. I wanna, I'm just trying to think of some announcements that I have. Stay tuned. Dude, something big is about to drop for the last gen. Something big. And I'm not just saying that to like hype it up, but I'm so pumped for it. I'm so, I can't even tell you what it is. But it's coming. Stay tuned on the Instagram, which is the.last.gen. It's coming. You guys are going to flip. I'm flipping right now. It's so great. I'm excited. Oh, man. Just stay tuned. Just stay tuned. Just stay tuned. All right, guys. Have a great day. I don't know when you guys listen to this. Lots of people listen to it on their way to school. If so, have a great school day. Maybe you're on your way to work. If so, have a great work day. If you're on your way back, hope you had a great day. If it's late at night, sleep well. Sleep well. All right. Love you guys. Check back in with you next week.